and welcome to the beginning of an episode of I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. The show that engages with the canon so that you don't have to. I'm one of your hosts, Anthony. And I'm another of your hosts, Sydney. So we are excited for this episode because this episode is going to do one of the most and one of the least wholesome things we could possibly think of. Yeah. E.T. Oh, yeah. And the Sex Pistols. Yeah, E.T., I think this is mostly on me. I I did see E.T. once as a very small child. I remember the frogs escaping. That was an emotional peak for me. I remember identifying with Drew Barrymore because mm-hmm. I was a girl of that age. Yeah. But for that reason, it's like the, all the time that we were focused on Elliot and E.T., I was like, I don't really care what's happening. Can we mm-hmm. check in with Drew Barrymore? <laughs> <laughs> or those frogs. Like, did the frogs make it? Right. So that's not only was I a tiny child, but also I was not keyed into the main story sure. of the film. And that it's just sat as a whole in my film knowledge ever since. I'm looking forward to it because I have seen E.T. several times, but I have not seen it since I was a child. And I remember always being very disturbed, even as a kid, by not E.T.'s voice, but E.T. has a yell that he does a couple of times. And okay. I remember that just like boring into my head and making me very upset sure and it is probably going to continue to upset me because I'm, stuff like that i just find disturbing i'm a little worried about et the puppet mm-hmm. i know that it's widely considered one of the cutest puppets yeah ever but i find it a little upsetting and disturbing and sometimes i have a hard time with puppets from that era the lack of cgi is impressive but also makes for a disturbing watch he's yeah, also got a weird body yeah, sometimes it's so much more fun, I think, before CGI, mm-hmm. like Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park was an interesting combo because they did yeah. some, but also a lot of puppets. Yeah, or like Star Wars even. <laughs> the originals, yeah. Yeah, like sometimes it's it's so much more fun that way, but something about like little pitiful creatures, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see how it goes. It's, I know the theme song is going to just sit right in my Yeah, it's a good one. John Williams does some great work. I really do. I remember. Does he not? That's very true. I really do remember it being a very solid Steven Spielberg movie. And I think it's one of the ones that my parents cry at every time. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it is like the way people talk about it, bringing out feelings that they don't feel like I I feel like very stoic men Mm -hmm. will talk about E.T.'s effect on them. Yeah. And I'm curious for that because I do not remember feeling that way as a tiny child. I remember feeling just like a little uncomfortable with the puppet and wanting more Drew more. Sure. Do you think you're going to like it? Honestly, no. Hmm. But I don't. That's just like a, from my gut. That's just like I, I really don't know why. It doesn't make any sense because everyone says that it's amazing and John Williams is involved and Drew Barrymore will be there. <laughs> That still matters to me right. now as an adult. So it's got all those things going for it. For some reason, I, much more recently than I have seen the film or any part of it, I saw the kid who plays Elliot. Yeah. I saw his audition tape for E.T. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. I yeah. don't know why. But I'll always, anytime it's like, here's a kid actor's first audition for this thing, I will always watch it. That's how I know I want to see Logan because I saw that kid's audition Oh, tape. yeah. And he's so fucking good. And it's like improv. They don't even give him a scene. Oh, really? They, like, they make him improv. They clearly gave him, like, some given circumstance. Right. But they make him improv, and he's so good. So I don't know why I wouldn't like this movie. It stars two very talented child actors, which is my favorite thing. Everyone says it's excellent, and I feel like it's, like, a Pixar movie before Pixar movies, and I always Definitely. love those. So I don't know. Maybe I'm going to love it. Yeah, I am excited to watch it again because it is. it was not in my heavy rotation when I was a kid. I did enjoy You are expecting to like it. I am expecting to like it because I wasn't super into it when I was a kid. Okay, yeah, yeah. I like liked it fine, but I felt like it was a little slow for me as a child. Yeah. And I felt like some of the like emotional weight to it wasn't really what I wanted. You know, like given the choice between watching E.T. and The Wizard of Oz, I would watch The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. But that's what makes me think that as an adult (laughs) I will appreciate That's just very like non binary of you. Things I should have known when I was a child, but I just never picked up on. Yeah. So I am looking forward to it because I'm expecting to get more out of it this time than I did as a child. Yeah. I think I'm worried that it's going to be like hokey 
and I'm just going to feel manipulated and things don't always age that well as well as people say they do and I think those are the things that I'm worried about that are giving me this gut concern that I'm not gonna like it but we'll we'll see I'm I'm open to I would love to be surprised yeah we're gonna find out so the sex pistols yeah what do you know about the sex pistols I'm not gonna say a fucking thing about the sex pistols because I don't want to be wrong and I think that should indicate what a good choice they are for this project because I have genuine embarrassment Mm -hmm. like I can just about tolerate the fact that I don't know them but if I said a wrong thing I would feel really bad about it I feel very embarrassed speaking of embarrassing things I did not know until very recently that Johnny Rotten was not the founder of the Sex Pistols He's a member of the Sex Pistols, but he was not the guy who started it. I assumed he was. I'm showing my hand right now. I have no, no this, fucking clue. This is exactly what I'm saying is yeah. I, like maybe a lot of things. Like I feel like I have some associated names yeah. and some associated melodies, Yeah, but I don't want to say them in case they're wrong because I don't want to be wrong about this. Right. For some reason, that's so so much more than a, like, I, you know, I don't really care about being wrong about most things. Yeah. I mean, you've I'm even about said in learn. past episodes, I wish I had said more in the beginning because I was right about this thing. Yeah. No, not this time. I'm not going to regret this. Okay. The, it's the risk is too high. Yeah. If you put a gun to my head and said, name three Sex pistol songs. If you put a Sex pistol to my head uh-huh. and said, name three Sex pistol songs, I could only give you one. Maybe. I think Anarchy in the UK. I think. And- End of list. Yeah. Good goodbye to me. No, I mean I wanna say like I think it's gonna sound like this other band, mm-hmm. but I literally don't even wanna say that because there's something about being wrong about like counterculture. Things that are there to fuck shit up. I don't wanna be wrong. I don't, I just don't wanna be I just don't wanna be wrong about that. Yeah. It's too embarrassing. Yeah. It's too embarrassing because I should know. I am much more excited to listen to them now. I'm glad we waited this long because now that we've done Velvet Underground and Slater Kenny, I am really excited to fill in this puzzle piece for myself because I know how influential and iconic they are. Yeah. Do you think you're going to like it? Are you willing to even go that far and say whether or not you think you're going to like it? Well, so yeah, okay. I will only because I think it's a funny problem for me. I don't think I'm going to like it very much. Okay. And yet I am so embarrassed that I don't know it. And it's funny that those two things, because why would I care so much about not knowing something that I don't even think that I'm going to like, but I just feel like it's like important work to the, not even the music that I listen to. It's like not, like not even as like a precursor to most of the music that I listen to now, but as just like a precursor to the kind of culture that I'm interested in now as a as a precursor to like just burning everything down. I think if you're a person that believes as I do that there's so much about the system that we have right now that we should just burn to the ground and start over and stop trying to tweak, I think you should know the Sex Pistols. (laughs) Even if you don't really like them. Yeah. I think what makes it doubly embarrassing to me is it's like they had one album. Just one. I don't know. To me, that actually, that it makes it a little less embarrassing. Because it's like, oh, well, that you wouldn't have had as much occasion to come across their catalog because yeah, there's I less guess. of it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because like they stopped in and they did this thing and then, but there were those before and there were those after. Who again, I will not name. <laughs> But maybe in the after time, I'll, I'll feel confident enough to be like, this reminded me of these things. We do tread pretty lightly when it comes to potentially upsetting punks on this show. And honestly, I respect that. I'm not even, I'm like, what is punk? That is an excellent question that I feel like has come up a few times on yeah. this show. That should, it could be a class. That's true. It could be. What I mean, punk? after this, we'll have a couple of, we'll have some stuff. I've been considering... For obvious reasons a lot lately that okay so one time i went to see a live performance of hedwig and the angry inch oh me too i think i believe there's room in the script for each hedwig to kind of do things that it makes sense for them to do yeah my hedwig at some point spit a lot of beer into the audience and then she was like this is a metal gesture would you like to see a punk rock gesture 
would you like to see uh like different kinds of rock and roll and then mm-hmm. like did different things like spit beer in different directions according to what kind of rock and roll we were we were inhabiting at that moment and i was like i love this and i want to know more i i want this to mean more to me so i've just been considering a lot lately like what is a metal gesture what is a punk rock gesture yeah and i think this is going to fill a lot of that in for me and I think that I am going to either respect it, but not necessarily enjoy it. Like in the same way that like when we watched Akira, we were like, okay, that movie was an incredible achievement and we can't really take that away from it. But I don't think either of us are ever going to be clamoring to watch it again. Yeah. Or it's going to be like Slater Kenny and I'm just going to love it. Yeah. I think there's a possibility that I'll, that I'll enjoy it while it's happening. Mm-hmm. I just like, like Velvet Underground, I'm just like past the point in my fan career where I listen to albums by men from a while ago a lot of times. Sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, yeah. I'll listen to it some number of times. Yeah. So, something like a lot since yeah. there's only one album for this, but I think once that's over, I'd like, I mean, I used to put that banana album on like all the time to and from high school every yeah. day all the time. I don't think this is going to become a like in the car album for me, you know, through no fault of its own. Right. Or also it might be, I might find it mildly annoying and hate that about myself. Those are, I think, the the most likely outcomes. Bleak but honest. Mm -hmm. So we'll take a quick break and when we come back, you will find out what we think in the future. Hello. Hello. It is the future. It is the future. I know that. (laughs) (laughs) I understand how our podcast works because I thought about it Mm -hmm. ahead of time. Great. So I know that it's the future and we we did it. We listened to, nope, not Arcade Fire. Nope. (laughs) We listened to the Sex Pistols. Yes. Very different. (laughs) Yes. Very different indeed. All right. Do you want to count us in? Okay. Yeah, sure. (laughs) One. Two, three. I had fun. I did Chumbawamba instead. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Say what? I did Chumbawamba. I listened to Chumbawamba instead. <laughs> That's my, uh, my prank to you. <laughs> Listeners, uh, just for a bit of <laughs> Sydney is crying from laughing right now. <laughs> what a twist. <laughs> I never expected there to be a twist ending here or twist in the second act, I guess. Yeah. But here we are. <laughs> second act twist. Second act twist. <laughs> okay, okay. So explain okay. your process. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm really just letting Madeline Pendleton run our podcast now, Mm -hmm. at least when it comes to punk things. But like right at the beginning of our process, (laughs) she made a post about how Chumbawamba is more punk than the Sex Pistols. Specifically, like someone dropped in her Q&A box. I guess she talked about liking Chumbawamba and Mm -hmm. thinking the Sex Pistols were lame like separately. And somebody dropped in her Q&A box, well, who's more punk, Chumbawamba or the Sex Pistols? And she was like, well, these are the reasons that Chumbawamba is way more punk than the Sex Pistols. And it was very convincing. Huh. So I was like, wouldn't this be funny? They're each one album. Well, she claimed they were each one album. It turns out, actually, Chumbawamba is very prolific. She was wrong about that. Yeah. But I just focused on, like... Tub Thumping. The, yeah, the, that album. Mm-hmm. The album that starts with Tub Thumping. Right. And uh, I, I did also listen to the Sex Pistols. Okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be unprepared. Sure, but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk I'm gonna talk about Chumbawamba. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> I would I would like to get an idea of what did you think of the Sex Pistols so we could do some comparison here. Okay, so I didn't love it. I didn't find it hard to listen to. I mm-hmm. found it pretty like straightforward. Yeah. rock and roll music. It was less, I've said this to you and it sounds like you disagree. It was less rough around the edges than I was expecting. And then I, and that I think of like other punk bands of, of that like initial wave, I think of as being very like not polished. Mm -hmm. And I wouldn't, I certainly wouldn't call them polished. Right. 
but the like balance and the mixing and like all the guitar hooks are like pretty catchy and like folded in to the music mm-hmm. and most of the aggression i guess came from the vocals and the lyrics yeah to to my ear they are certainly not like lo-fi or low tech like they definitely have yeah. a lot of production value to them for a punk yeah band. like other punk albums of the 70s sound like they literally just like put the band in a studio and hit record yeah and i think they sound like that because that is what they did and like maybe that's what the sex pistols did but it's it sounds like they did a lot of like no they they didn't i i know for a fact that they didn't because sid vicious could not play the bass and so their guitarist had to go back and do the bass part gotcha like you say it's a little bit like okay i see what this is but this isn't like the most wild and out there thing, but I think it really. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like. I mean, not that I don't like punk music, but I thought it was. I just thought it was going to be like harsher on mm-hmm. my ears than it was. But I don't know. I guess I. I guess I always think that about like little kid me like formed these opinions of branches of rock and roll. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like I can't listen to metal. It'll be too ouchy. Right. And then it's like, no, this is this is also just pop music with a different filter. Yeah, and you pointed out that. The Sex Pistols sound a lot more like pop punk than you thought. Yeah. Well, or I guess pop punk is a lot less far from punk. Yeah. Than I've been like giving it a hard time about this whole time. Yeah. It. I think the biggest difference, as you pointed out off mic, was the lyrics because they're much more like they're singing in a lot of like British slang like yeah. low, lower class Londoner slang. Yeah. It's nice that you can hear that they're poor. <laughs> and I like that because it, it does feel like a lot more raw and interesting. But I do think that the aggression of the lyrics sometimes really takes away from the experience of listening to them. Like the second song on their album, Bodies, I just think is yeah, that a real rough time. Kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, you're just really going in on like, it's someone described it as both anti-abortion, anti-woman, anti-sex, and to a certain degree, even anti-Johnny Rotten. Like, Anti-human. Yes, exactly. Like, So I try, to do, I try to do a listen to the things that we do looking at the lyrics at mm-hmm. least once. And I did that. It's just like, I guess this is punk, but like, is this what we want punk to be? Do you know what I mean? If this is what punk is, then I don't, I don't like it. I have a very romanticized, glamorized vision mm-hmm. of punk values and aesthetics. And perhaps it's important to remember that that isn't what it always is. Like maybe this is closer to what punk is and I just need to like it less. I hear what you're saying there. And I think it's a bit of a wake up call that like all aesthetics, no matter how genuine they seem, are still mostly consciously constructed by creatives. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yes, I think that's an important point. But what is turning me off about Sex Pistols mm-hmm. <laughs> is I just don't like it. Like if you it's it's not even that it's packaged, it's that it's mean. And I want punk to be this force of radical inclusion and revolution but like in a fun way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like most of their lyrics are like you're terrible, I'm selfish. Like, is that, is that, that's not what I want from punkitude. It's just like song after song of like, I only care about myself. That, I, that's not punk. Right. Punk is not narcissism. Right. I think what you're talking about is the reason why the Sex Pistols songs that most people know are God Save the Queen and Anarchy in the UK and then Holidays in the Sun. Like, the three songs that they have that are the most overtly political. Yeah. I think the lyrics on those are like a step up from some of their other stuff, which I agree is mostly about like, we're all trash. Everything is garbage. Like, fuck it all. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and be judgmental and pretentious. I think if I want to be the most charitable that I can be, it's like, well, maybe they're saying... Like, at first I was like, fuck you, Sex Pistols. Like, don't talk to me like that. Mm -hmm. But then I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe the you... Maybe when they say you, they don't mean me. They mean like the man. Yeah. And we're all included on the, on like, we're all the sex pistols. We're all sex pistols. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're all saying fuck you to the man. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I, I could get behind that. And then the ones that are like, I'm an asshole and I love being an asshole. And my favorite thing is assholery are perhaps satire. Even if they are, like, they're not 
they're not really. Yeah. Like even if they are, they're doing that thing. Yes, they're doing the thing where they're saying it's satire so they, they can So they can it. just do the thing they want to do. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying that would be the kindest way for me to look upon it. Right. But I also don't think that it is. Yeah, I, I don't think it's correct. So I think that there are some interesting parallels between Sex Pistols and The Velvet Underground. Okay. Because they both had a lot of their initial image shaped by these like multimedia artists. And then they were very successful for a short period of time and then broke up and have had like an outsized influence on their genre ever since. Except instead of Andy Warhol for Sex Pistols, it was Vivian Westwood, which I yeah, think is a fun. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So what I was reading was that Malcolm McLaren, who was their manager, was friends with Vivian Westwood, and they ran this boutique that was basically a like sex and fetish shop, but also a clothing shop in London ju- just called Sex. And so when the Sex Pistols were forming their most famous lineup, they changed their name in part to advertise the store. And then Vivian Westwood started dressing them. Then they just started like pulling people in because they had the look and they were like, you can figure out the music later. Yeah. Um, Like Johnny Rotten, they pulled him up at a show. You told me this. They pulled him up at a show because they liked his look. They were like, that guy looks disgusting and insane. Yeah. He's perfect. Yeah. he's in- He looks intense. Yeah. They were like, do you want to start writing some lyrics? And he just like wrote down all the things that he hates and that's yes. their lyrics. Yes, indeed. And then when their bassist quit, Johnny Rotten was like, I have a guy who I know is good looking. And they're like, can he play the bass? He's like, no, he bloody well can't. And that was Sid Vicious. Great. Um, And I think the other thing that made them so popular was the British government censored their record. Everyone was like, this record is filth. It's garbage, which of course is a surefire way to make everyone want it. And it spent like a year on the top of the Billboard charts or something crazy sold like dozens of millions of copies they just exploded overnight and then couldn't handle the pressure went on one tour and collapsed yeah and some of them killed their girlfriends yes yeah, Sid Vicious probably murdered Nancy and then died while and out then, on bail yeah and di- yeah, died before they could make sure because it could have been her drug dealer uh yeah so that's cool I don't know it's like I guess that's punk but like I don't want it to be okay so let's talk about Chumbawamba yeah <laughs> Sure. So, Who are actually an anarchist band. Everyone thinks the Sex Pistols are, but they're not. Yeah, yeah. So one really punk thing that they did is go on national television and advise everyone to steal their record. They, like, signed to a major label and everyone was like, sell out. And then, like, the first chance they got, they were like, steal it. You should steal it. Do not pay money for this record. Yeah. And then their label dropped them. <laughs> and they took all the money that they made and gave it to, I don't know, something. I could be misremembering, but I remember here about this i think it was like survivors of the argentinian dirty war or something sure yeah something something super punk yeah and like if we look at some of these lyrics Mm -hmm. and we think about what like what what we want like a subversive aesthetic to be yeah what do we want from that i chose god save the queen basically at random because you brought it up as one of their biggest hits God save the queen, the fascist regime. They made you a moron, a potential H-bomb. God save the queen. She ain't no human being. There is no future in England's dreaming. Mm-hmm. Like, okay. That's like pretty anti-establishment. Yeah. Not super in-depth. You can take out some of this vamping while I pull up the other thing that I want. I might try another one after this, but um, all right. I'll spit on floors and do more drugs, burn every bill, get drunk on love. Where next to nothing in the pouring rain, be a bad example and do it all again. I'll be uncareful and cause such scenes. I'll never talk of used-to-be's. Tattoo my face, I won't go gray. Be a dancing queen, I'm growing old disgracefully. Isn't that what you want? Isn't that what you want more? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just is that, like, is that just like a better... You want like rancid poetry, not like, yeah, like shallow hot takes. <laughs> yeah, just like shallow vitriol. Mm-hmm. Just like... A list of things that I don't like versus like, here's some analysis and it's a little bit clever and playful, but it's also like, burn it down. Yeah. Burn it down, but in a cute way. Yeah. Okay, I got another one. This conspiracy of shame, murder by some other name, pay up and play the game. Whose side are you on? And if they ask us why we died, we tell them that our leaders lied, sold us out down the riverside. Whose side are you on? That's It's just better writing. It's just better writing. And like the songs, I can tell you, if you listen to this Chubbawamba album, like it's fun. Mm-hmm. We'll have fun. You know, I have. I no, have no skips. I have listened to most of that Chumbawamba album, but I think. Have I, you? 
I think I was very young. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like when it, when Tub Thumping was a thing? Yeah. Yeah, I think I was like, what's on the rest of this album? And the answer at the time was nothing that I wanted, but also I was six years old. Yeah. So. You were eight. Wait, when did it come out? 97. You're right. I was eight. Well, I know how old I was. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you were 10. Yes. Well, I guess I was nine because, you know, late in the year. I think part of the reason that why the lyrics aren't great and why the band didn't last is because Johnny Rotten is just a thoroughly miserable person. Yeah. Just like, not just sad. I don't think he's sad. I think he's deeply unpleasant to be around. Yeah. To me, the Sex Pistols album sounded like some catchy music by some just insufferable people. And that's not what I want. I know Johnny Rotten has worked on other things in his life, and it just seems like all of the projects don't last more than a couple years because no one can work with him for very long. Sure. When you grab somebody out of the crowd to be your lead singer and like main lyricist because they have Charlie Manson eyes, what do you think? What do you think? Right. What do you think is going to happen? They're going to be an asshole. Yeah. Also, I just want to share this with the listeners. I told you off mic, but Johnny Rotten is nicknamed that because when he was first brought into the band, he did not brush his teeth and they were green. And eventually many of them did rot out of his face. And he has a lot of false teeth now because yeah, he just didn't take care of them for most of his twenties. Yeah. Once they're green, you that's can't, that's you can't polish that up. That's heinous. Yeah. Imagine um, what that dressing room smelled like. Oh, I'm sure it smelled disgusting. The concerts. Johnny was a nut and like also very pretentious. He seems like that friend who like is smart, but not super educated, which is not a problem, but knows he is smarter than most of the people who he hangs around with. And is just like, he's very Goodwill Goodwill hunting hunting and the beginning of Goodwill hunting. You know what I'm talking about? Where he's like, you ever read Howard Zinn's The Real History of the United States of America? I'll blow your fucking socks off. (laughs) Like that's Johnny Rotten. Yeah. I feel like if I knew Johnny Rotten, I would be so mad because I bet he is that guy that just like is terrible to everyone and like everything always works out for him. That is what happened. Mm -hmm. Like I I would be like, oh, it's finally catching up to you. What an asshole you are. And then it's like, nope, I'm actually fronting this very successful rock band. I'd be like, ah, Fuck you, dude. Yeah. Just brush your teeth. Yeah. Free advice for our listeners. Please brush your teeth. Yeah, like, it's not... That's not punk. Yeah, it's just gross. Yeah. You know what I think is punk? Having all your own teeth when you're old as fuck. Mm-hmm. I realize as we're talking about this that I think starting with a, like, post-Riot Girl punk band, I feel like really ruined us for classic punk because we're like, yeah. where's all the biting social commentary that's more than surface level? Like, It's in Chumbawamba! Great! <laughs> how does how does the instrument playing compare in Chumbawamba? I think it's great. It's definitely like a lot more. Chumbawamba is like nine people or something. Oh, wow. Like a punk arcade fire. <laughs> yeah. And they, they definitely are using like the tools of the of the late 90s. There's like definitely some computer sounds or computer manipulation of sounds. Sure. So I don't, I don't know how comparable that is, but like there's a lot of three, four part harmonies. That's in tub thumping. Honestly, it's like it's a lot like tub thumping the whole mm. album. OK, but different. Like, all the songs are different. Yeah. But you would know them all to be Chubbawamba immediately. And they all have that kind of, like, this is the section that sounds like this. Like, this is the section that sounds like a choir. Mm -hmm. And this is the section that sounds like the string cheese incident. And, like, this is the the section that sounds like, uh, oh, fuck, who's that guy that Eminem is like, nobody listens to techno. Moby. There's a section that sounds like a Moby song. Way to reverse engineer that. (laughs) Nobody listens to techno. Let's go. (laughs) If you're looking for something to to put on that's going to be fun and make you feel fired up, I recommend Chumbawamba over the Sex Pistols. (laughs) Okay. And there's a lot of Chumbawamba to listen to if you like the... I thought the album was also called Tub Thumping, is it not? I think it might be, yes. Okay. So if you like that album, there is a lot more Chumbawamba that neither of us have listened to. Yeah. Before and after. Yeah. But don't... you You should steal it. Well, no... Don't don't steal it. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not what it used to be. Like if there if there was still such a thing as Tower Records, I would say go steal it. But if you're gonna steal it from Amoeba, like don't do that. They need your money. Right, exactly. We're trying to keep Amoeba open. Yeah, yeah, or whatever the local. Honestly, I'm sad that I gave Spotify the whatever. Like, but it's a monthly. So if I just like listen to an outrageous amount of music, then I'm then I, I I'm getting one over on them. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, so don't steal from your local Amoeba or Rasputin or whatever you call your local record store. Please yeah. don't steal from them. Yeah. We like them. Yeah. Go pay money for Chumbawamba on vinyl. You will not regret it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Madeline Pendleton told me that story in the TikTok about them saying steal the album. But then the best part is that it's their girl drummer that said it. I like that. She like went rogue. Yeah, I like that they're actually anarchist. Like even though Sex Pistols have the song Anarchy in the UK. They don't know what it means. Yeah. They want anarchy so they're so they can do whatever they want. Right, they want a lack of consequences. Not, yes, not because it's a, like because they believe in that system. Right, uplifting people. Right. When interviewed about it, Johnny Rotten was like, "Oh, it's it's just like a bullshit prank that anarchists have pulled on working class people. It's nothing because he hates everything." Yeah. I remember reading that when Nirvana put out their second album, Nevermind, he got mad because the title of the album was too close to their one album name, Nevermind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols, which is like, uh, yeah. dude, no, dude. it's not the same at all. Like something, like yeah. anything, yeah. please. Nirvana is definitely more punk than the Sex Pistols, I think. I, I think now it is. Not sonically, but like Kurt Cobain showing showing up to things in dresses. Mm -hmm. And like, I think they, they had thought through their subversion. Yeah. A lot more. The Sex Pistols occupy this really interesting place for me because I think that there were a couple of talented musicians in that band. Uh, they were undeniably successful. And I think that they were incredibly influential. But they do suffer a little bit from comparison because I think other bands since then have done much better with the kind of thing that they were acting like they were doing. Yeah. But would punk sound like punk without the Sex Pistols? That's a different question. I don't know that it would. Yeah. I think I found it so poppy. Like, I, I would argue that they... That pop punk certainly owes more to the Sex Pistols than they do to, like... The Clash. Well, I don't know because I don't know The Clash well enough. Yeah, I would like to know them better and I think we'll get to them on this. But yeah. like, I know what London Calling sounds like and it does not sound as close to fucking Fallout Boy. Okay, so who are the Sex Pistols for and who's Chumbawamba for? I guess the Sex Pistols are for like rock and roll historians who want to be thorough but like i really feel like i mean get back to me when we do like the ramones and some and the clash mm -hmm. but i i feel like i would i would point you to other pieces of the origins first before this if there were if this was five years before the clash then like maybe but it's not like it's happening concurrently. Right. Right. So and I it's just, a couple years after the Ramones. Yeah. Like the trouble they went to to find a lunatic in the audience and then like let him pull up his cute friend who didn't know how to play the bass. Like all of that was happening because of the Ramones. <laughs> right. Right. Because everybody wanted a piece of that. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. I guess I just feel like there's things you can get to first that I'm betting when we examine them more closely, I will say are more worth your time i actually really enjoyed this album and i think part of it is because of my handicap not understanding most lyrics so i was mm. able to just like sonically let it hit me the first couple times and then i listened to it with the lyrics and i was like hmm mm. okay but by that time i had already listened to it a couple of times and i'm like no they're little guitar hooks it's it's catchy yeah it's they've got some catchy. high highs yeah i think i also enjoyed like what little bit of their history I got to understand because I'm like, oh, this story is deranged. Like yeah, this is yeah. the wildest shit I've read in a while yeah. about a band. And I think that enhanced my enjoyment of the album. And, and I guess I, I also enjoyed like, it felt like I was fitting a puzzle piece in in my in the like sure, web yeah. of music. I was like, oh, this is what everyone talks about. Okay, I understand how this fits in. Now, does that mean that I think that it is absolutely necessary i feel similar to it that i do about public enemy let's say where i'm like if you don't care about the punk movement then no you don't no. need it yeah. you don't need it like you might still have fun so check it out but like don't feel bad if you don't like it yeah but 
if you are interested in punk and you want some like grounding in a group that whatever you think about the substance of them, they're, they were very stylistically influential and you want to make sure that you have that grounding, then yes, absolutely, you should listen to it. Also, the album is 38 minutes long. It's their only album. Like you can do it really quickly. Yeah, that's all true. However, who's Chumbawamba for? Okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's very, it could not have happened outside of 1997. It sounds like 1997 and you will you will be in 1997. So not everyone wants that. And, sure. and I understand that. I, I was surprised by the lyrical density mm-hmm. because tub thumping doesn't have much to say. Yeah. Other than it's all about getting knocked down and getting back up again. Yeah. Which I guess is a, a punk thing to say. I mean, I th- I feel like that was the song that they wrote to be like, all right, we want a, we, we want a popular song. Yeah. And it remains their only hit. <laughs> yeah. I get it. If you like the song tub thumping, mm-hmm. you will, you will like every other song on this album. It is an hour long. <laughs> it's guilt-free. You're not listening to any murderers, but we don't think. Yeah, not that we know of. Yeah. I found it a, a fun romp. It's certainly not, it's not an assignment. Okay. I wouldn't make either of these things an assignment, but like, ask me again after we do The Clash and the Ramones, because maybe I'll feel like, oh yeah, you have to like, I don't know, ask me again. But right now I feel like, no, this is the extra and the other punk bands are the curriculum. Yeah, I think I'm going to need to, I'm going to put this on my curriculum for the class school of rock with an asterisk on it, with the asterisk being after we cover the Clash and the Ramones, which listeners probably won't be for another little while because we don't like to do bands of the same genre back to back, as you may have figured out. But I do think because of where they fit influence wise, like it would be weird in the same way that we were like, Velvet Underground. We really liked their first album. Their other stuff we felt was less necessary, but like, they're kind of hard to ignore. Yeah. And I feel the same way with Sex Pistols of like, if you're going to be talking about the history of rock music, they are kind of hard to ignore, regardless yeah. of how you might feel about them. I can't place Chumbawamba in the curriculum right now because <laughs> I have not listened to, to it since I was fully a child. Uh-huh. But I think what I'm going to do, I will commit on air to listening to at least Tub Thumping. And then when we record our next episode, I will come back can, with an update. We can have an update on We Chum- can have an Chumbawamba. update on Chumbawamba, yeah. <laughs> Great. A Chumbawamba update. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about Sex Pistols? No. Okay, well then Let's we'll take a brief pause. And when we come back, we will talk about E.T. That's Serena over there. And that's Naomi, and we are the hosts of Weird Mythic Podcast. Yes, we are. Our show, Weird Mythic, covers stories about cryptids, which is what brought us together to create the show. But we also like to talk about anything paranormal and strange that happens in the world. We post episodes every Sunday on different topics, and we would love to have more listeners. We're on all podcast platforms, and you can find us on all social media sites as well. Give us a listen, send us some personal stories to share on the show, and we will love you forever. Yes, we will. We would love some personal stories, some cryptid encounters, and we hope that you listen and tune into the show. You can listen to Weird Mythic Podcasts wherever you get your podcast fix. And we're back. Hello. All right, let's go from the least wholesome band to a very wholesome movie. Yeah, very wholesome indeed. All right, all right. One, two, three. Still mostly holds up. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I think it's very solid. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, for a 40-year-old movie, I feel like it doesn't show its age as much as other movies from the same time period. Yeah, I mean, and there is something fun about like... When things were puppets. Like, yeah. it's never going to be that again. Yeah. And and I think I said to you at the time, I was like, this movie was made in 82, and it's like, the E.T. puppet is so well done and yeah. so well articulated because, like, CGI technology was so rudimentary at the time that if they wanted to make something look good, they had to make a baller puppet. Yeah. And they did. I, yeah. I think they did a really good job with practical effects. Yeah. The spaceship is cool. The spaceship is cool. Yeah. A lot of the a lot of the work that they do is great. A lot of his like telekinesis looks really good. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stuff that looks a little dated, but it's in a way that's pretty forgivable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. The bikes 
the bikes yeah. is a little tough. Yeah, unless they're in silhouette. That looked really cool. Yeah, yeah. The the famous shot is yeah. all good, but they, they bike over some trees. Yeah, and, and that's very like, clearly green screen. It's like, oh, we weren't there yet. But like that's a trade because then it's at some point in the 90s, they start trying to do everything with computers. And then now it looks terrible to our eyes. Now it looks terrible for like a while until computers get better. Right. Right. And now computers are good enough. So they're, they're just will never be puppets again. Right. Right. Unless so there's like, it's just nice to visit a time when people took that much time with, with a puppet. Yeah. Although apparently I think in the force awakens, the first of the sequel star Wars series that came out in 2015, there are puppets. They did use some. Because Be I think because people were so mad about... The lack of puppets? <laughs> like Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, yeah. I think they wanted to get some of that like old school aesthetic. So yeah. there are some puppets. Yeah, I didn't see those, but that sounds like a good decision to me. It was. I think it worked. I think it worked really well. So just to give like a brief explainer, if y'all haven't seen E.T., one of the most famous movies ever made, but it's fine because neither of us had seen it <laughs> yeah. in, in almost three decades. How embarrassing for you. <laughs> yeah. How embarrassing for you guys now that you haven't seen it at this point. Yeah. E.T. is As opposed a- opposed to whatever half an hour ago when we hadn't seen it either. <laughs> yeah, exactly. E.T. is a xenobotanist who comes to Earth with his space fam to collect some samples, but they get surprised by some UFO hunters and have to leave, and E.T. strays a little bit too far, gets left behind. He's getting a baby redwood. Yeah, yeah. So in his quest to get back home, he meets Elliot, who is played by Henry Thomas, who does some of the best kid acting I've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, just absolutely slays. Yeah, just like, it is really impressive. Like, Haley Joel Osment in The Sixth Sense wishes. And also Drew Barrymore is doing a great job. Oh, what a gift. Yeah, she's five and she's doing so amazing. small and like so committed. Mm -hmm. And she really does, she just captures like being five so well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, whoever was writing her like really understood where five-year-olds are at. Yeah. She tries to tell her mom about E.T. at one point, even though she's been sworn to secrecy, but it doesn't feel like she's a narc. It's just like, oh, that's what five-year-olds do. They're yeah. like, oh, I promise not to tell anyone. And they're like, except my parents, because I can trust my parents. Yeah, because you know, like, I trust adults. Right. Because I'm five, but Elliot is old enough to yeah. know. Don't, you don't trust adults with anything. Yeah. The central tension of the movie is that E.T. is trying to contact his people to have them come back and pick him up. The government is getting progressively spookier and spookier as the net closes in. So there is a ticking clock there. And also, for whatever reason, the longer he spends on Earth, E.T. gets sick and he is psychically connected with Elliot. So as he gets sick, Elliot gets sick. Yeah. I liked that. I, I forgot when whenever I saw this movie as a tiny child, I did not remember that that is like part of their deal is that they're like twinned yeah and i i really liked that element of it yeah i did too and i like the way that they communicated it with like increasingly clear visual storytelling and once that's been established only then does elliot start saying we when referring to himself yeah. and et yeah which i thought was really really clever but what i was gonna say is we don't see the faces of any adults except for Elliot's mom until the government yeah. captures Elliot and E.T. We don't even see any of their faces. Yeah. Which I thought was really clever. Yeah. They did such a good job of making the grown-ups in this movie seem really threatening. Yeah, but also they aren't. Yeah. Like, ultimately, they do want what is best for Elliot, or they're trying to want that. Yeah. What's best for Elliot and for E.T., but leading up to us knowing that for sure, they make it, it does feel very ominous as Elliot and E.T. fall into, like, NASA's possession. Yeah. It feels very ominous. But that, but I believe that they, that they, like, were trying their best. I don't know. It's just, like, a nice story that it's, like, oh, everyone's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah. And but they, they're bumping into each other. Right. And, like, the government does some stuff that's, like, pretty unsavory. Like, they go and, like, scour Elliot's house when no one's home and, like, wave a bunch of science at it. Yeah. Which, like, that's not great. But they do a really good job of capturing, like, how adults who are trying their best and giving a really earnest effort can still feel really scary for a kid who doesn't understand what's going on. Yeah. Because it, it isn't explained what's happening until they're already like so deep in it and Elliot is so sick and only then does like what seems like a very genuinely nice person. Yeah. This guy who we've been Peter seeing Coyote. as- Peter Coyote. What? Peter Coyote? The like main NASA guy. Yeah, yeah the guy Peter with the keys. Yeah. Oh, okay. 
we've only seen him from the waist down. He's just the, we just know him as the guy with the keys. His kid went to my high school. That's why I know him. Oh, okay. San Francisco's elite. Yeah. Like his conversation with Elliot, like I did not remember that from all the times I've seen the movie. And he like genuinely is excited to meet E.T. He wants to keep yeah. E.T. alive. And he even says to Elliot, like, he's nice to Elliot. Yeah, he's, he's like, this is all I've ever wanted. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm glad that he met you first. Like, that is oh, such yeah. a sweet thing to say to yeah, a kid. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't need to say that. Yeah, yeah. And, like, you did everything that you could. Yeah. And, like, they like really you did do, a great job. They really do try to save him, but the problem is they don't understand alien anatomy. Yeah. And so they're doing Yeah, they all. try to save him with, like, human stuff what you would save a human with which right. does seem a little obtuse to me but yeah I had this memory I like honestly wasn't sure because I know I was very small I wasn't sure how much of the movie I'd seen if I'd seen it all the way through or I'd only ever just seen clips but as we were watching it I was like oh I think I made an honest try of it and then I bailed when the government got too involved mm -hmm. because Elliot does not believe that they're helping. Right. And so I, as a Chaz team child, mm -hmm. did not believe that they were helping. And it like un it like unlocked this memory of my parents like try like in an effort to keep the movie on. Yeah. Being like, no, no, they they are trying to help. Like this is just a scary part. Like, mm -hmm. but everyone's trying to help. And I was like, I don't fucking believe any of you. Like, mm -hmm. team kid. Yeah. That's fair. And I think the thing that disturbed me most when I was a kid and I think was also very disturbing as an adult is anytime anyone was screaming, including E.T. Yeah, E.T.'s screams are rough. And, and like, in a, like, kudos to the sound designer yeah, and absolutely. also fuck you. Yeah. Like, they are haunting. Yeah. But also, Elliot does some good kid screaming, especially in the scene where E.T. is just, dying. He like, does some great, like, kid acting. Like They I gave just, him like, a really full monologue over a dead body. Yeah. And he was so, like, restrained, but also yes, sad. connected. Yeah, he was just, like, oh, Really so believed him. Fucking good. Yeah. I guess it's easier to coach a kid to, like, hysteria than to that kind of, like, somber moment. But, like, I, I was, like, afraid for him when he was afraid. Yes. Agreed. I wish that he had been in more stuff, like, because I only know him as that and the guy from Midnight Mass and for you also Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. And in those, he's like 50. Yeah. And he's like, fine. Yeah, he's pretty good. They also don't give him as much to do as they do in E.T., where yeah, he's like I, the emotional crux some, of the movie. Some kid actors, they don't, I mean, I'm guessing that part of the reason he didn't keep working is because uh, some kid actors don't hang on to it because they gain self-awareness. Right. And, and then they become self-conscious. Yeah, that's why I've been so impressed with the Stranger Things kids, because they mm. all stayed good the whole time. Yeah. They only ever got better. The show didn't stay good, just to clarify. I, d I have not enjoyed it since the first season, but I just keep watching it because all the kids are so fucking good at acting. Right. And I'm invested now. We were watching E.T., and I think at one point you were like, oh, this is the first season of Stranger Things. Just replace Eleven with an alien, and <laughs> yeah. the the Brenner character isn't a monster. Like, yeah. the Brenner character is just a guy trying his best. And also add, like, a rip in space fabric so that there are uh, other scary monsters. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> the whole, like, monsters. the whole, like, government net tightening running from the government, yeah. like, all of that. No, there is... were a lot of scenes that would, where it's, like, four kids fleeing on bikes and, like, cars trying to cut them off. It's like, oh, this is straight up in Stranger Things. Like, yeah, and Dustin's costuming in the first season yeah, is definitely like, one of Mike. Yeah, the older brother Mike. Yeah, his little friends. Yeah. Is exactly like uh, Dustin, right? Yeah. And I think uh, just in general, a lot of the outfits in Stranger Things just look like. There's, a, e. there, there's a scene where like E.T. dresses the same as Eleven when they disguise her. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And the whole business of like having a little like bunker in the closet, like having a hidey hole. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's a lot. There's a lot of overlap. Yeah. There's so much stuff in here that I'm like, oh, that's why other TV shows and movies do that. Yeah. It was from E.T. Yeah. It was a similar feeling to Akira, but the movie is much less of a drag. Yeah. Like the movie, <laughs> the movie actually, I think plot wise, it is an 80s movie, but it doesn't feel as sleepy as even moonstruck which is a half hour shorter yeah I'm, i guess i'm just like always going to be more engaged by children yeah i think it's that but and the fact me. that there's like enough going on, like it's enough plot that they needed all of that time like i don't feel like there are any real wasted scenes i don't know is it a lot of it is just 
hide the alien, make friends with the alien, bond with the alien, communicate that we're bonded with the alien. And also like what can the alien do? Like Yeah, what? yeah, but all of that but that's not that's not developments, that's um exploration. Sure. But it all feels like it's moving towards like it's not me. Well like him getting drunk in class. And freeing all the frogs. Freeing all the frogs. Yeah. Ugh, I was so worried that I was wrong about the frogs. <laughs> In the before times, because I not, thought I thought not. it happened earlier in the movie, mm-hmm. um, but it, it it is from this movie. Yeah, twenty minutes in, you were like, "Do the frogs not happen in this movie?" And I was like, "I haven't seen this movie in twenty years, so maybe." And also, there is <laughs> so of, much movie to go. I was so worried because I was like, "I think I really committed to that in the before chapter," but no, they do they do free the frogs, and it's like, "Oh, this this is what ET teaches. He teaches compassion mm-hmm. for other living things, especially weird amphibian things." Yeah. And also, I think that is what fuels him as a preacher. He teaches empathy. Like, yeah, like empathy and connection. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's a lovely lesson for kids is just like yeah. you can be kind to people you don't know and it may benefit Telekinetic you. strangers. Telekinetic strangers, yeah. <laughs> and it is, you know, it is important to have compassion for other people and to try to like think about other people's feelings and things like that. Like I enjoy that before Elliot meets E.T. and Elliot's like nine. His older brother says, can't you ever think about other people for once? And like, yeah. that's kind of his central conceit. Yeah. And I liked that the brother, I thought they were setting it up to be like a home alone situation where the brother was like just a dick the whole time. It was like an additional obstacle. Yeah. But like once the chips are down, like all the kids are on the same side. Yes. And like understand what they have to do as team kid. Yes, exactly. And like the older brother and the younger sister both like realize that Elliot has been given like a sacred burden. Yeah. And that it is their job to like support the mission in their Mm -hmm. ways. Yeah. But it is Elliot's thing. Yeah. It feels like he was doing a lot of like early teen, like being on your worst behavior because that's what 13, 14 year olds are. And then, like you said, as soon as it was like, we need you in these ways, he was like on it. Yeah. Like, oh, you need me to help you build a communication device? Got it. Yeah. You need me like to go- I like, oh, you're nine. So you do need what you're nine and we can't trust grownups. So like I need to be. Mm-hmm. It's like Steve. It is like Steve. <laughs> It is a little bit like Steve, except not as extreme. Yeah. Steve really has much more of an arc. Yeah. My critique with the older brother was that I was not sure what archetype of teen he was supposed to be. Yes, yes. Let's make fun of some things about the movie. Oh, yes, let's. Because there's a couple things. Yeah, it was 40 years ago, so some stuff hasn't aged well. So we are introduced to all of the teens sitting around playing D&D. They call it something else, but it, it clearly is. And I think they are sitting around and smoking. It's unclear. Their house is always either very dusty or very smoky to yeah. get like a lot of cinematic shafts of light, which I thought was really cool. But it also kind of yeah, looks like, like they're I, all sitting around Steven smoking Spielberg and drinking. Knows what he's doing, I think, as yeah. far as like shooting a movie. Yes, he does. Turns out <laughs> Steven Spielberg, good at movies. Yeah. There's a lot of there's a lot of pretty shots. Yes, yes. And a lot of pretty music by John Williams. It's just un, he's unstoppable. He really is. <laughs> Put him in a room with two pots and pans and he'll still give you Ugh. an amazing score. Yeah. So first time we meet them, they're all sitting around playing what is essentially D&D. And as soon as Elliot comes in from outside and is like, there's something in the shed, they all just grab knives and run out yeah, like they're the like, children of they're the like, corn. Yeah, <laughs> like violent hoodlums. Yeah. And then just a few short scenes later, Mike is seen in football pads. Yeah, which, which I'm like, like, no, no. No, those are not the same person. And then wait, what's the third thing? Then the third later thing he's is like, two scenes after that, he comes in with like an open like flannel green shirt over a no nukes t-shirt yeah 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 he's like he's uh, that like is a, another type of teen again yeah like a stoner yeah and i'm like <laughs> you need to pick a lane yeah it's like it's like they i mean i know it's 1982 so they did not do this but it's like they googled teenager yes and just used all the results yes exactly which i it felt like they were like really in touch with what it's like to be nine and five Yes. But not what it's like to be 14 at all. The other like running joke that we kept having is like, where are all these redwoods? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So the the movie was filmed in a combination of very Northern California 
and suburban LA County. Yeah. So for those of you who don't live in California, you very different climates. Very different climates. Yes, the redwood forest, it's like pretty foggy and cold and always a little dreary. It rains a lot of the year, whereas here in LA, desert. Full, full desert. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of them like riding up a dry hill and then a couple minutes later being in like a dense, wet redwood forest. Yeah, yeah. Like Elliot will leave his house and be like, I'm going to go look for that alien thing. In the forest. And it's like obviously the valley. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everywhere there's houses is flat and square it's like desert suburbia and then there's like some ugly like shrubby dusty hills yes and then moments later he's in this like dense redwood forest yeah that if you if you've ever been to redwoods it feels absurd yeah you know that they cannot grow and then when there's like really wide shots of their whole community it's like where's the redwood forest yeah like i can i can see as far as the eye can see and this is obviously a desert yeah and it's like cut to dense vegetation like twigs snapping under like if you've never been. <laughs> mm-hmm. in, in a redwood forest, the ground is really spongy because they drop a lot of like redwood stuff and it's spongy. Right, <laughs> right. And there's not a lot of light, so there's not a lot of Yeah, like, not a lot of shrubs. light gets through. They're huge. They're huge, huge trees. Yeah, which makes for some really cool shots in scenes where the spaceship is landing and taking off in a redwood yeah, forest. Yeah, and it makes sense that if you were studying the botany of a foreign planet, that's something that you would want to look at yeah it's just funny that then it keeps cutting to like san bernardino yeah porter ranch <laughs> yeah and then when on a map they point to where they are they confirm that they are in california but they point to reno nevada <laughs> yeah he's like this is us in california and points to like somewhere around like reno or tahoe <laughs> yeah which again would not make sense because tahoe is not near the redwoods but it is also not near the desert it's yeah. like alpine the, pine the forest. farthest you could be from both those things yeah exactly I think he's just like pointing to the state of California and we're not supposed to think too hard about it. But as Californians, we got some yucks out of that. Yes, we did. It's very amusing to be like, where are they? Yeah. It's like when you watch movies that take place in a city that you live in and the geography makes no sense and you're like, how did you get there yeah, from you, where you no, were? You didn't yeah, or like in The Graduate where he drives across the Bay Bridge backwards. Oh, I didn't notice that one. We don't have to do The Graduate on this show because I've seen it. I've seen it too. Thank God. Yeah. Because I, I don't want to. I don't either. It's okay. It's fine. It's a late 60s movie. Yeah. But anyway, this movie. Yeah, there's also just like, because it's always like kind of Twilight in a Redwood Forest, like there's, there's just some transitions of like, it is like full sun like broad daylight mm-hmm. and then they dark. like bike up a hill and then it just cuts to like they are all the way in the forest it is night it's like okay i i guess but what you doing there? yeah and also like the weather doesn't match like at the bottom of the hill where they live yeah oh my god he must have been sunny. sweating in that hoodie oh my god yeah watching those bike riders just like power up hills fast i was like they oh, are their their legs must be hurting yeah yeah. Heat stroke. I hope they gave him a lot of Gatorade. Yeah. But yeah, then in Crescent City, I'm sure they were fucking cold in just a hoodie. Yeah. That's what I that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, no wonder Elliot gets pneumonia from laying outside yeah. and E.T. almost dies of exposure. Yeah. Did you clock the raccoon in the shot where um, yeah, yeah, E.T.'s yeah. down at the culvert? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I just thought that was funny. Good, good raccoon actor. Oh, the other thing I wanted to call out that I thought was a cool visual choice was in the opening. So the opening like... I don't know, three or four minutes of this movie has no dialogue, but a lot happens. And there are all the UFO hunters and they're all at Screen the Screenwriting teachers love to tell you to try to get through as many pages as you can without any dialogue. I have never made it through one. I want them to speak. <laughs> yeah, it was cool because there was a there was a John Williams suite and you got the idea that E.T.'s people were communicating in a way we just didn't yeah, understand. Yeah, no, I, I wish that I had the visual storytelling skills of Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, and there's a there's a great moment where all the UFO hunters are standing on the edge of the ridge looking down and they're all looking up in the sky with their flashlights and then E.T. steps on a twig and they all just like move their flashlights to the same spot. And it's like seven people at the same time. <sighs> And it was like, it was really good because it made it feel like these people were all like of one hive mind. Yeah. 
and it just like did such a good job of making them seem so sinister so and he quickly. like panics yeah and you can really hear the fear yeah in his yeah. little et voice yeah it's stressful yeah it stressed me out yeah and i think i think that when i watched this when i was a kid i would often skip the first scene because that scream is so haunting yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, like the story can't happen without him missing the ship, but it's still like, it's still hard to watch. Yeah, yeah. And after the first couple of times I saw it as a kid, I think I was like, I, re- I remember what's happening. I know why he's here. Yeah. I could I could skip it. Yeah. In the same way that I used to skip Mufasa dying. I wouldn't skip the whole stampede. I would just like skip the part where Mufasa dies in The Lion King and then come back as oh, soon yeah. as the stampede I done. like, I don't know. I Something in me felt like I deserved it. I think. Like you needed to bear witness. Yeah. I was like, you're not allowed. I remember after like several years being like, okay, I think I'm getting a little old for me to still be fast forwarding through Mufasa's <laughs> death. So I think yeah. I got to I owe it gotta to myself to power up. through. Yeah. Yeah. So who is E.T. for? I, I vaguely remember saying that I wasn't going to like it and then being like, no, I probably am. And like, that is how I like I did. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I did. But it is a little like corny yes and i think it is interesting parallel with the sex pistols i think it does suffer a little bit from it's had so many imitators over the years sure and like now we can just make things look so much more slick so it's like hey do you want the same kind of vibe as et but just like looks real slick like that's always nice yeah i think if you want if you're like out of or not even if you're out but if you enjoy pixar movies and you're like i want that Mm -hmm. but puppets and like some really amazing kid acting if you want to check in with little baby drew barrymore yeah i think saying if you're out of pixar movies is really good because i was gonna say if you want a movie that is a family movie but not necessarily just a kid's movie like yeah yeah it does not condescend and that is something that i really appreciate in like kid material yeah we paused within the first five minutes to talk for a bit uh, for semi-related reasons about the adventures of Pete and Pete, which yeah. is kind of a similar idea. Yeah. Yeah, I agree that it does not condescend. I think the the characters are really well drawn. The ones that we need to care about, I think, are really well drawn. You don't yeah, get a lot I of think... time with the mom, but I feel like you get a really good sense of what she's about. Yeah, I think if you want, if you are looking for a movie to watch with like, like a tween, not too little because it is scary yeah like someone who is Elliot's age like a nine-year-old yeah and you want something that's gonna be fun for you also and also like just model good storytelling to Uh them like you want something that's gonna be like no no this is this is like focused on you but using all the techniques available (laughs) to storytelling yeah like we're not we're not giving you the watered down version. Like this is this is a real movie, but it's for you. Most Pixar movies, I would say that about. I do feel like E.T. has more of a like anti grown up. <laughs> yeah. Like anti government, anti grown up, like trust yourself first mm-hmm. kind of vibe than any Pixar movie. Yes, does. I think, and I true. I also like to impart that to children when mm-hmm. possible. Yeah. And so if you were at a party and someone was talking to you about E.T., how, how would you feel? <laughs> yeah. I feel um, like it would be w- yeah. kind of weird. Yeah, I'd be like, why? But okay. Because it feels like E.T. is so much like part of the cultural water that we swim in that I feel like no one would like bust it out as a, at a party. Yeah, as, like, and, and it point. is like, it is good. It is fun as a grown up, but it is a children's movie. Yeah. So like, why is that what you brought up? Yeah, unless you're talking about like movies that are 40 years old and like are still good. If some if that was yeah, the conversation, someone like, was like ET holds Chad up. Williams, I, Steve. Yeah, I'd yeah. be like, yeah, ET holds up definitely because I think it does for the most part. Or you're talking about you were talking about Stranger Things and someone is like, hey, you know, it's just ET but scary. Yeah, but Stranger Things is for grownups, so talk about Stranger Things instead. I mean, like, I guess because sometimes it's really fun to talk about the kids' movies that mean a lot to us. Yeah. And I guess it's just, to me, it seems weird to talk about E.T. because I'm just watching it now because I didn't make it through it as a kid because it didn't stay a favorite of mine as a kid. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe it's not weird. If the person was alive, if the person's a little older than us, if the person was alive as Mm -hmm. a child when it came out, I don't, then I don't think it's weird. It's like, it's that, that'd be like me talking about The Little Mermaid, which I constantly do 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I also think if the conversation is like, hey, what movie from your childhood do you still, like, do you still unironically love? Like, and if someone was like, oh, E.T. has been my favorite movie since I was a kid, which I guess is the same thing you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah, that I feel like like that's very reasonable. Yeah. We never said this explicitly, but if someone tries to talk to you about the Sex Pistols at a party, run away. Yeah, I feel like anyone who would try to talk to you about the Sex Pistols at a party, there is a high likelihood that they don't really know what they're talking about. Yes. (laughs) That's what you're hoping for. Do not tell them about your abortion. (laughs) Yeah, don't trust them with any personal information. This This is not a safe man, and it's definitely a man. Oh, yeah. But if anyone's like, the Sex Pistols are the best fucking band that's ever... You could just be like, no, dude. Rotten teeth, couldn't play the bass. Fuck those guys. Yeah. Um, like, come back to me when you've listened to yeah, anything. Just Goodwill Hunting them. Yeah, just Goodwill Hunting them. How do you like them apples? I know it. I know it's blowing your mind right now because you just discovered Pug, but in a in a minute you're gonna discover Slater Kinney and it's gonna blow your fucking mind. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I'm sorry, I derailed us from ET. Is there no, anything it's okay. else we need to I say could... about ET? Oh, is it in your curriculum? I guess I would feel like an idiot saying no. I would argue that you could put it in Profiles and Courage, which I feel like is our spot for sure. like yeah. unlikely heroes. Like, how about a nine-year-old yeah. who's psychically connected to an alien? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we could, maybe not yet with the stuff we've covered, but I feel like we could make a class eventually that is don't condescend to the children. Yeah. Or the kids are all right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a spot for it. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess that about wraps it up for us here at I'm a Sophisticate and So Can You. If you are enjoying our content, please like and subscribe and leave a review on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Good Pods. Also, we've been doing pretty well on Good Pods recently. Cool. We got a nice review on Podchaser that I want to put a couple days ago. From, Love that for us. Yeah, from a fellow indie podcast, Soundtrack Your Life, which I have listened to a couple episodes of and I'm really liking so far. They did a great episode on the soundtrack of the movie The Crow. So this says, this is becoming one of my new favorite podcasts. Sydney and Anthony do a great job breaking down each topic with a nice mix of research and personal reflection. Thank you so much, Soundtrack Your Life. We oh. really like that. And I'm glad we're becoming a fave. Uh, yeah, I like that because it tells me that that person has listened to more than one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that for us. Yeah, it's great. And thank you so much for that. And if you leave reviews, we will promise to read them on the air sooner or later. I know there's a few that we've gotten that I haven't read on the air yet. So if you're wondering where yours is, don't worry, we will get to you. Sydney, where can they find you on socials? I'm at Trash Analysis on TikTok, and I have no other social media because I am... Uh... Gen Z. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am at Anxious Archfey at both TikTok and on Twitter. And you can find the show on Twitter at Sophisticate Pod. So we will see you in two weeks with our next topic. And until then, good night and good luck.